Welcome to Shared Instance, a podcast on iOS development by three iOS developers in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm Sam Corder. I'm Alex Argo. And I'm Alex Robinson. This is episode 17. And today, this is uh, the day after the Dub Dub keynote. So, guys, how do we feel? Stunned. Good? Stunned, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was, I was thinking, yeah, this should be better than the Android one, the, the Google Keynote. But I was left a little bit hungry still. I went in with my expectations pretty low, especially after the Google I/O Keynote. I uh, expected this to be more of a improvement release, but I did have my hopes up for the Apple TV. That was definitely one of those things that got dashed and then salt added to the wound with the 40 minutes of music stuff at the end. Yeah, when I saw the one more thing, I got excited for a moment. And then uh then the music And then you got Drake and Eddie Q dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Which I wouldn't have minded if it wasn't, you know, better than 40 minutes of that. Yeah, you could tell that that wasn't the original one more thing. They had they kind of put that and stretched out the the music stuff cuz it's like they they definitely cut it last minute. Yeah, we've got twenty minutes to fill. Let's let's call Drake. <laughs> <laughs> he can fill it up with ums. I you know I'm I'm sure it'll be a great service. They don't have the best track record with that type of service, but I'm hopeful they'll get it right this time. Uh, it just wasn't very developer centric, so yeah. it, it wasn't what I was hoping for. Yeah, well, but we did get well before we get into all the WWDC stuff. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, IO and get that out of the way. I thought it was interesting that uh, Android stole a lot of stuff from us and we stole a lot of stuff from them. And it, it seems like overall everyone's kind of better off with all the stuff that we're sharing in the industry. Yeah, that's pretty typical where it goes back and forth. Though I think Android spent a lot of time catching up this year. Their Their whole wallet thing has been revamped to match apple pay now it's been a while now so i'm trying to remember some of the other features but well they just not... we just swapped the pay and the wallet parts of the names now it's yeah now it's yeah. apple wallet and android pay yeah. so it's all right. good and i have to imagine a lot of that was driven by kind of consumer education you know easier to compare apples to apples android pay the apple pay you know that way Google and Apple get to kind of share the benefit of adoption with NFC payments. Yeah, I mean, in in all reality, it, they all work the exact same places. So yeah, yeah. And I think there's confusion that you know Apple Pay's got a decent amount of marketing behind it, so people see the Apple Pay logo, recognize it, and know they can pay with their cell phone. Google Wallet's been out there for probably a year longer, maybe more. And people didn't realize they could pay with their cell phone. And cashiers don't realize that you can pay with your cell phone. They don't understand how that works in some locations as well. So I think the consistent branding and the fact they turned Google Wallet or they cut off the chunk of Google Wallet that's like Apple Pay and made that Android Pay probably helps with that and makes it very much an Apple's Apple's comparison. I think it's good for consumers. Yeah. 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 The other stuff that we got from uh, Android 
or that Android got from us. They basically copied iCloud photos uh, with their new photo stuff. It looks really similar, although their uh, pricing model obviously is a lot different. So it'll be interesting to see how that stuff changes. They have the consistent like fingerprint framework. They have our permission system where you're only prompted when you're going to use something rather than a giant list, which always freaks out Android users uh, when you install the app, which is probably a good thing for them. And then they stole our copy-paste implementation, uh, which is better for them. So, yeah, I think a lot of Android developers are going to be surprised of how much conditional logic they're going to need to introduce into their apps. With all those new permissions, yeah, 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 is the mic available or not? They they've been they've had it easy with their permissions game before. It was either all or nothing, and now parts of the app won't be available to their users, and they'll have to code for that, um, or at least they could be turned on and off at at will. So, yeah, my thought when I saw that was, "Welcome to our world." Yeah, yeah, but we'll see. I mean, yeah. we did get some good gems for ourselves from Google. Yeah. And a few nice things. And to your point, the adaptive UI is something that we're still somewhat new to. We've got auto layout and screen sizes now. Uh, and it definitely, they've proven that we need it. And we, yeah. yeah and we, we, we stole a uh, Google now from them with our proactive stuff. And I think our new UI stack view may may help a lot with uh adaptive layout it's basically uh, the exact same thing as the android linear layout from what i can tell so far yeah I, and that go ahead i agree it that's one of the things in android that i've been very jealous of is this kind of flow or group layout that lets you have these nested horizontal and vertical groups that just flow and resize to fit the contents so I'm that's one of those features I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to use in my apps. Especially for things like Yeah, the the real the real bummer about it is is that we are this is as far as we know is only iOS 9 and we won't be able to use it for at least another year probably unless you're shipping a brand new app. So that's kind of a bummer, but when once we can use it it'll probably be really nice to use. Yeah. I would say somebody can backport it to iOS 8 and 7, but one of the real values of it is the integration with Interface Builder. Oh. Yeah, unless Apple has a backport library for it, which I kind of doubt they would. Uh, I, I mean, I've dealt with Collection View, someone porting that, and it works okay until it doesn't, and then you're just screwed. So, um, Because I just got a bunch of... UI automation tests working, which of course are in JavaScript uh, and are completely different. So I'm wondering if there's some way to reuse that old code or do I have to convert it all over? We'll have to see, but I thought it was interesting that, that this testing stuff, it just uses the the native languages of the, the toolkits instead of being a different scripting language. That part is interesting, but for for the most part, I I don't get excited about UI testing, <laughs> but this time it's going to be so much better. <laughs> yeah, I'm ho- I'm hoping you can invoke it from the command line, uh, like we were saying with the code coverage stuff. 
and it, I'm hoping it still works on iOS 8 and iOS 7. Otherwise, I'm not sure, not sure what to do about that stuff. I, I definitely think that this is going to be better than something like KIF or uh, UI automation for, for testing at yeah. the UI layer. Uh, and yep. it seemed to do a pretty good job with the code that it generated, especially, you know, as long as you've done the right thing with accessibility on UI controls, it didn't, it didn't seem like it created unmanageable code. And it tried to recognize that if you're going to reuse the a variable more than once, it, it would create a local variable for you. So it, it tried to do the smart thing, but in a demo and UI testing always looks good. So yep. <laughs> who knows what happens when we actually are using it on a production app, but I definitely like yes. that Apple's spending time and engineering power on making testing better in the tool. That's definitely a plus. And whether this is a okay first stab or a really good one, it'll still get better. Yeah. So, so the biggest, uh, in my mind, uh, developer announcement of the day, everything everyone has been waiting for, of course, I'm talking about generics and Objective-C. It's finally here. <laughs> oh, wait. I, I meant Swift open source. I think that, that was a big deal for a lot of people. That was easily the, the topic that got the biggest, loudest response from the crowd. It is pretty huge. I mean, up until now, well, I guess up until the fall, if you were an Apple platform developer, your skills didn't translate so well to the outside world. Yes, you could run up, you could run Objective C on other platforms, but never really well. Not to mention, it's hard to be an iOS developer without having to interact with Ruby code for all these command line tools that we have in our ecosystem in order to manage our iOS projects. Not that now, I'm saying that Carthage Swift is... is going to be a great command line language, but yeah, I was gonna, I was just about to say I don't think Swift would be because I've I've heard people complain about the about trying to do that. Carthage is one example, right, Sam? Okay. Yeah, I think it's doing all right. Carthage has has oh. Reactive Cocoa as part of that, so it's a uh, you know there's there's more to that. It's not necessarily a simple command line platform True. but the important thing is with it being open source shaping the language to support that is now easier ruby's got some nice gems that make putting together a command line interface really dirt simple and you get something that is has a really nice uh interaction pattern i hesitate to say ui but a nice interaction pattern from the command line and they have, uh, if we can get something like that in Swift, that'd be great. I didn't see any mention of whether or not Swift 2.0 supported iOS 7 and 8. Is it iOS 9 only, or...? I think it still does, because people were complaining that it is still bundling in the Swift runtime with apps. So I've got to imagine it still supports... Yeah, that's what I was hoping. But I wonder if you target only nine, if it'll drop that. As of right now, it doesn't look like it does. But maybe in the future, I could see that. I would happening. think with the, yeah. or maybe they, with, 
maybe they strip it out with uh, the app thinning. Yeah, with that kind of universal thing that you submit, and then it gets compiled and sent down to your device. I could imagine it happening there instead of in what you submit. Maybe. So that app thinning scares me a bit because I wonder how it's going to work with third-party crash reporting tools like Crashlytics and Hockey App. Yeah, I feel like those tools have some work to do and they're probably scrambling right now. They do every year, I think. Yeah, but this year, you know, I'm not too worried for them with iTunes uh, version of TestFlight taking over what they do. Because I think it's very much still an opt-in policy, and I think developers are still going to prefer to have a have a crash tracking tool, logging tool that catches all the crashes rather than just the ones that users opt in for. But right, but it's the symbolicated crash log that yeah that makes it useful. And watch right. watch OS crash logs, and yeah, there's a lot of things <laughs> that that I think. Apple introduced that is going to cause Crashlytics and others to scramble a little bit. Yeah, but if we're uploading bitcode versions of our apps, we're not necessarily going to have dsims that go along with that. At least that's what my thought is on the surface. I also don't think Apple has any motivation to make Crashlytics work or make it easier for them. I think they, they would probably prefer Crashlytics go away just from the fact that they're not letting users opt in to crash reporting. And, and I, I, yeah. you know, theoretically, any analytics should really be an opt-in policy from a user perspective and a privacy perspective. But Well, on that note, I think we've uh, run out of time a bit. Uh, we, we need to go check out all these live streams that are happening. So why, do, yes. why don't you guys tell us where uh, we can find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at AJ Robinson. And I'm on Twitter at Sam Quarter. I'm at Alex Argo on the Twitters. And the podcast is at Shared Instance on Twitter. And you can also find it, find our website at sharedinstance.com. And we're also in iTunes, and we do appreciate any ratings and reviews that you leave. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you later.